This is the KOTO Community Radio News for Wednesday, June 28th. I'm Julia Caulfield. And I'm Gavin McGough. In today's headlines, Mountain Village elects new town council. Making affordable housing work out. County commuters shift into gear. And a mountain weather forecast. Mountain Village has a new town council. On Tuesday evening, Mountain Village officials announced the results from the 2023 council election. Martinique Davis-Prohaska, Scott Pearson, Tucker Magid, and Peter Dupre took the top spots, earning seats on the seven-member town council. Prohaska and Dupre won re-election, but not in a landslide. Prohaska garnered the second-highest votes with 254. Dupre came in fourth with 180 votes. Pearson was the top vote-getter with 257 votes. Magid received 206. Pearson says it's an honor to have the support of the community, but he also feels the weight of the role he's stepping into. It's kind of daunting and kind of humbling. You know, the issues that the town faces are not easy ones. And so I'm excited to roll up my sleeves, um, but I'm also, you know, kind of aware that this is not going to be easy. But it's important. It's important for the people of of Mountain Village and for the whole region. Dupre notes he's looking forward to continue making meaningful change in the community. I enjoy serving the community and I enjoy, you know, meeting more members of the community. And, and, you know, hopefully at the end of my, you know, this term, I can look back and say, here are the things I've accomplished and feel good about it. A now veteran of town council, Prohaska says she's excited to keep the work up. I'm looking forward to continuing the good work that we've been doing the last four years, specifically, you know, some of the projects that we've been working on. The staff has been instrumental in that, and I just am really thrilled that I get to work with such a great team. Um, I'm also really looking forward to continuing the work with my fellow council members, uh, new and old. Jumping into the big issues of the region, Pearson says he's keen to dive in on affordable housing. Every issue in the town leads back to affordable housing. And I really heard that when I was knocking on doors, talking with people, you know, talking with small business owners who struggle so tremendously just to be able to stay open because they can't find employees or people who came here 10 years ago, you know, working as lifties, they're still living in dormitories and they don't see any way out. They don't see a way to start a family or, um, you know, move into Uh, you know, full adulthood. And so at every level, it's just critical. And that is far and away the number one issue I want to spend time on. Dupre adds a plan for the gondola is a key issue coming down the road. For TSG, for Mountain Village, and for Telluride. I mean, it's, to me, it's the lifeblood of this, this community. And so we've, we've got to figure that out. It just, it's got to get done, and it's got to get done quickly. Pearson, Dupre, and Prohaska also highlight work on the new medical center, the wastewater treatment plant, and the environment as important issues coming before council. On a hyper-local level, Prohaska adds council will need to put energy into resolving the development application for the Six Senses Hotel in the village core. Especially for new council members, they're really going to need to get up to speed on the whole long and beleaguered history of, of that. And um, I have full confidence we'll be able to to get to where everyone's fully aware of all the history and nuancing. But um, 
that is going to be something that we're all going to have to work on um, here right away. As a new member, Pearson says he's looking to join the conversation where he can. The town of Mountain Village has benefited from having great leadership for years, for decades. So I don't see myself coming in and trying to shake everything up or turn things 180 degrees. I think we have been well governed and I'm looking forward to being a member of a really strong town council and you know, adding my opinions, adding, you know, my experience, but continuing to work on things that that they are already working on. With the local Mountain Village election season over for the next two years, Prohaska shares her appreciation for the community coming out to have their voices heard. I'm just really grateful and appreciative for all of the Mountain Village residents that got out and voted. I feel like it was a really good turnout compared to other elections. And I'm also really grateful for all the other candidates. It was a super strong field. And I think that, you know, I'm really excited about the future of of our town council and our community. Tucker Magid was not available for comment by broadcast deadline. Mountain Village issued 983 ballots with 398 returned for a voter turnout of 45 percent. Rick Gomez came in fifth with 147 votes, Heather Knox sixth with 131, followed by Jonathan Greenspan with 88 votes, Allison McLean came in eighth with 84 votes, Frank Henson ninth with 48 votes, and Douglas Tooley came in tenth with 11 votes. The new town council will be sworn in at Mountain Village's town council meeting on July 20th. The first order of business will be selecting a mayor and mayor pro tem to serve for the next two years. Sometimes it takes a village to build community housing. Recently, Kevin Jones, who runs the CrossFit gym in Lawson Hill with his wife Robin, learned their business would have to move as their lease was coming to an end. The Joneses found an empty lot nearby in Lawson and says Jones. So we purchased that parcel. We're going to build a new gym. Part of that is it's a live work. Uh, arrangement. So part of it would be commercial and part of it would be de-restricted. That's right. The whole lot will not only house a new gym, but will also house some affordable housing. In the midst of this process, Joan began to wonder if the county was so eager to build affordable housing, maybe it could make it easier for private developers such as himself to take on those projects. This week, he came before the commissioners with some ideas on how to incentivize the development of deed-restricted units. His first idea? Fast-track them as they work their way through the long backlog of projects seeking approval. Not to kick anyone out of the queue, um, but if a new project is coming up and it's really all about um, affordable housing and driving additional units to the table, maybe they get bumped to the front of the line. They don't bump anyone out of the line, they just get bumped to the front of the line. County Manager Mike Bordonia adds, if the county would like to take advantage of recently approved affordable housing funds at the state level, the county will actually have to implement a process of that very nature. If the county chooses to opt into Prop 123, one of the items that's required is the commitment to add 3% additional deed-restricted housing stock per year over a three-year period, but it also requires 
an expedited permitting process for deed restricted housing. Other incentives Jones urges the commissioners to consider include flexible financing options and possibly waiving certain fees altogether. Uh, the big one that jumps out at me is tap fees, right? So it's uh, et cetera. Anyone that's tapping into the town of Telluride's tap fees, we're going to get hit um, by that $31,000 per tap fee. And that's just on residential. A tap fee is the cost of hooking in to a municipal sewage and utility system, such as Telluride's or Lawson Hills. Ideas for incentives abound, from using housing mitigation funds to promote affordable housing development to loosening parking requirements on certain projects. County planner Kay Simonson also points out public entities in the area are looking to build housing for their employees. You know, for example, the school, the medical center, and there are others. Um, so the potential for a partnership where that density could be used by another entity and they'd be putting in for, you know, taking care of the construction and the tap fees and such is out there and certainly something that should be considered by anybody in a similar situation where the amount of housing allowed is more than, um, you know, that property owner or developers interested in building. A sort of public-private partnership could then take shape to make sure all density options are taken advantage of and land doesn't go to quote-unquote waste. The bounds of all these options expand beyond Jones's project in particular. He points out few, if any, of these incentives will be in place by the time he submits his own application to the county. So it, it really is looking around to neighbors um, uh, hopefully the they, they can use it. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Commissioners thank Jones for the brainstorming session and are eager to incentivize private affordable housing developers going forward. There's no wrong way to bike, whether you're on a unicycle, an electric bike, or um, a fixie, right, or just a standard bike. It's Wednesday, June 28th. Bike to work day across the nation. Here in Telluride, employees of San Miguel County are celebrating by pedaling up to the county courthouse and having a coffee and donut beneath blue skies before a day at the desk. My name is Grace Franklin, and I'm the public health director at San Miguel County and a bike enthusiast. From a public health standpoint, not only is it good for your mental health and your physical health, but it also makes a huge difference on climate change and our environment as a whole. Hi, this is uh, Chris Smith from San Miguel County Environmental Health, and I'm lucky enough to live in the east end of Telluride, and I've been walking or biking to work for the past 34 years. <laughs> um, I like to kick it back and go slow, even going downhill, and uh, some people just kind of rip through town on their bikes going real fast, but um, I just like the idea of, of just kind of cruising Star Jameson, Natural Resources Director with the county, commutes from Mountain Village each day, usually on the gondola or perhaps on foot down Boomerang Road. Today, however, she biked. For me, biking into work or walking um, allows me to really just take a moment and 
take some deep breaths and before I go into work or when I'm commuting back home, um, it's a nice and decompressing way um, to leave work. Recognizing the special day, Jameson adds, intersects with her work. I'm really pushing for the county to um, look at multimodal transportation for our climate action plan. So this is a really important topic for me. Many folks gathered on the lawn outside the courthouse prioritize alternate modes of commuting, but not all of them tend to choose biking itself. Nicola Kerr, who works with the planning department, borrowed a co-worker's bike for her commute. And went on a nice ride from Lawson Hill. My bottom's a little sore and I'm a little parched, but other than that, it was a, a nice view. <laughs> Cool. And do you make a practice of biking to work? or um, I don't. So. I'm a bus girly, but I, I'm all about the public transport. I'm never driving. I don't know if I'll bike again, to be honest. <laughs> Maybe one day by myself when I can stop and take a water break at my leisure. I'm Lily Briggs. I'm the plans examiner with the San Miguel County Building Department. Um, I live out in Nucla, so if you work in town, it's typical that you're going to be commuting from somewhere. It's hard to live here um, and work here. Um, so any sort of support we can get from SMART or our employers is always super appreciated. This morning, for an extra special treat, I took the river trail in uh, past what we call the Holy Lands, where Bear Creek comes into the upper San Miguel. And the river is way up right now, and it was very cool and to see the waves in the river and just kind of feel that rush and get that good energy on the way to work. From the courthouse steps, happy bike to work day and wishing you cheer in all your future commutes. From contaminated mining to the construction of a rail line, the valley floor has been heavily impacted by past land use practices. Over the past several years, the town of Telluride, in collaboration with federal and private partners, have worked to mitigate mine tilings and restore the San Miguel River. This week, Telluride Special Projects Manager Lance McDonald will be hosting a walk and talk to share information about the project with a bit of general hydrology and history of the San Miguel River along the way. The San Miguel River Restoration and Mitigation Walk and Talk will take place on Friday, June 30th from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. The group will meet at the County Park and Ride in Lawson Hill at 9 a.m., cross under the highway to start the walk from the west end of the valley floor. Remember to wear sturdy shoes. Two scenic and historic byways in southwest Colorado will be getting enhancements due to grant funding from the Federal Highway Administration's National Scenic Byways Program. Alpine Loop Byway, which connects Lake City, Uray, and Silverton, and the Silver Thread Byway, which runs between Blue Mesa Reservoir and South Fork, received nearly $650,000 in grant funding. Both Alpine Loop and Silver Thread are designated as America's byways, meaning they're recognized by the U.S. Secretary of Transportation for their outstanding scenic and historic attributes. The funding will go towards an open-air picnic pavilion in the installation of an open-deck dark skies observatory on Silver Thread, safety pullouts on Alpine Loop, and public restrooms on both byways.
the Highway Administration awarded a total of $21.8 million to 33 byways in 29 states, including five on tribal lands. It's the first National Scenic Byways program grants since 2012. Colorado is getting more than $800 million from the federal government for new broadband infrastructure. The funding is part of a program launched by the 2021 Bipartisan Infrastructure Law to increase broadband equity and access. It focuses on expanding connectivity in underserved areas that have little to no internet. Governor Jared Polis signed an executive order last year to provide high-speed broadband to nearly 99% of the state by 2027. Currently, about 90% have access. The U.S. Supreme Court has ruled against the Navajo Nation. As KUNC's Luke Runyon reports, the case centered on the tribe's rights to the Colorado River. The tribe claimed it was the federal government's legal duty to help them figure out their future water needs and develop a plan to use the river. But in a 5-4 to four decision, the justices said an 1868 treaty included no such promises. University of Utah law professor and citizen of the Navajo Nation, Heather Tanana, says the decision means the burden will remain on tribes to secure their water. The help and assistance and I think the federal responsibility to help and assist would have gone a long way to filling that water gap. More than a third of Navajo Nation residents lack clean water access in their homes. Colorado, Arizona, and Nevada urged the court to side with them and said the case threatened to upend the way the Colorado River is managed. I'm Luke Runyon. A new art gallery in Montrose is encouraging members of the community to get involved in a very tangible way. For Rocky Mountain Community Radio, KVNS Casey Knust has more. Take a piece, leave a piece, or both. That's the idea behind the new mini art gallery parked outside Mosaic in downtown Montrose. Leanna and Jordan Johnson, the art boutique and mini art gallery owners, say they love going into work in the morning and seeing what new art has popped up. I spoke with Leanna about the new gallery. What inspired the mini gallery for you? I can't honestly remember where I originally got the idea from, but, you know, there are the the little free libraries that you see all around town or all everywhere. And so I just thought that would be a fun addition to our community to be able to do the same concept, but for art, to make it more accessible for anybody and everybody and for tourists. I had already had the idea, but when we were down in Tucson, in Arizona, they had a mini art gallery in front of the Modern Museum of Art there. And so as tourists visiting Arizona, it was fun for us to take a piece of art from a local artist. And then we left a page out of our sketchbook and a sticker from Colorado. So that was kind of fun. And hopefully people will do the same thing when they visit Montrose. I think a lot of people, a lot of artists, I think, are intimidated by, you know, going into a gallery or, or for example, like kids, you know, they just, they don't really have a, a way to share their art necessarily. And so this was just a, a fun, accessible way for like everybody to feel comfortable sharing their art. And what was the process for making this gallery a reality for you? I had reached out to DART with the city, and I kind of proposed the idea to them and just 
because I go to the DART meetings and the art committee meetings and stuff. And so I thought that this could be a good collaboration with the city. They were all on board to help fund the project. And so they were just a great supporter of the idea and helped make it happen. So we got all the supplies. We painted it and brought it all together. But they they were definitely a, a huge helping it become a reality. And how has the outdoor gallery fared since you installed it? So far, so good. We, you know, it's fun to come to the shop every morning and look in there and see what new pieces have been dropped off and what pieces have been taken. And there's been all sorts of stuff. We had like some 3D printed pumpkin, I think. And, um, you know, some other little paintings from people. Like there was a Ridgeway artist that dropped something off in there. And so we've had like all different kinds of, you know, there's been kids that have brought little canvases or little things that they've made. And um, it's just really cool to see the variety. We've had like some crocheted pieces put in there, you know, just kind of all over the place, which is what we were hoping for. So it's pretty fun. And is this going to be a permanent fixture for you? It is, yes. Yep, assuming nobody vandalizes it or assuming it holds up to the elements and everything, then yeah, it should be permanently out front on the sidewalk there. So fingers crossed. (laughs) Mosaic is encouraging people to post pictures of what they take or leave while using the Montrose Mini Gallery hashtag so people can follow along and see what's been picked up and dropped off. The gallery is available for anyone and everyone to take or leave art, or both. Mosaic is located in downtown Montrose at 21 North Cascade Avenue. For KVNF, I'm Cassie Knust. The National Weather Service forecast for the western San Juans calls for mostly clear skies tonight with a low in the mid-40s. Winds could gust as high as 30 miles per hour. Thursday should be sunny during the day and mostly clear at night with a high in the mid-70s and a low around 40 degrees. Winds could gust as high as 30 miles per hour. Friday, there's a slight chance of showers and thunderstorms with mostly sunny skies and a high around 75 degrees. Friday night should be mostly clear with a low around 40. There is a red flag warning in effect through Thursday. This has been the news for Wednesday, June 28th. Thanks for listening. If you have a story idea or a news tip, call the news team at 970-728-3206. And now, a personal commentary. The Town of Telluride and Servitas LLC are hosting the first of several community outreach events on the Canyonlands Towerhouse Public-Private Partnership Affordable Housing Project at the Wilkinson Public Library on Thursday, June 29th from 5.30 to 7 p.m. Please join us at this open house to learn more about the site, the community's housing needs, and provide input on this exciting opportunity. Refreshments provided. For more information about the project or the open house, please visit EngageTelluride.org. Opinions broadcast over KOTO are those of the speakers. You are also invited to express your views after the news or on access each weekday at around 4 p.m. If you would like to comment, please contact a staff person here at KOTO. We encourage you to speak out on important public issues.